and welcome to another exciting episode of The Dice Are Screaming. Oh. I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And we are your co-hosts tonight for The Dice Are Screaming podcast, coming at you live from the Autonomous Gaming Citadel located in scenic southwest lower Michigan. Yes, welcome to the unfunded mandate of gaming podcasts. Yes, indeed. The Dice Are Screaming. We're back. And we had a few uh, good listens this week and... Uh, like the uh, applause that uh, Tim Shorts from Stately Gothridge Manor. Beautiful Gothridge Manor. Yes, I wonder what the weather's like now. It's like an adventurer retirement home. Yeah. You know, especially for like the cool sorcerers. Not your scruffy fighters and out of work rogues, okay? I mean, only your classy mages and clerics at Gothridge Manor. That's right. Well, <laughs> and some well to do rogues. Okay, maybe you're not your scruffy never-do-wells, but your your upper-crust rogues, where mm-hmm. they, they kind of broke the ceiling there. So I, uh, I run a casino now. Yeah. A lot of my apprentices handle the day-to-day stuff. I just, uh, I just, you know, they bring me the, uh, the take every night. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, thanks, Tim. Thanks for the applause. And uh, last episode, uh, we didn't get a whole lot of feedback, so... Uh, if you haven't gotten around to listen to it, uh, you know, plenty of time yet to uh, oh, well, let yeah. us know what you think about that. We got on our high horse and doffed our powdered wigs and uh, judgy robes. Uh, which I really felt like doing. Yeah. Hey, I'm occasionally possessive of strong feelings. Not a whole lot of them, but uh, I, I have them. They're there. I just really don't pay much attention to them. The feels. The feels. Yep, so tonight's topic, uh, we're going to stick with something topical, uh, talking about the weather. And yeah. uh, what better topic to bring in with the weather than the Druid? Uh, yeah, that's right. In a place that experiences a 60-degree turnabout in less than three days. Yeah, yeah, here we are in Michigan, and the, the weather is topsy-turvy, as always. This should, should not be anything new. Uh, honestly, I kind of... and. Don't quote me on this later. I kind of wish druids were real, because if I could assess this as being the fault of some individual, I could pummel that individual into adjusting things accordingly. But no, alas, uh, our weather naturally stinks here in Michigan. No druidic interference required. No, but if you ever need to know what it feels like to uh, have to deal with a pissed-off druid, just come live in Michigan for a while. You'll uh, you'll start to understand. (laughs) Yeah, so, you can't count on anything. So, you know, yeah, the druid. Um, going back to its roots, you know, a subclass of the cleric and uh, kind of one of the weirder uh, things to come out of the original edition was the druid. And, um, you know, a slightly better, although still highly restricted, um, weapon selection, you know, the scimitar, sickle, and uh, along with, the, you know, the age-old staff and club and all that. But, uh, yeah, the druid uh, limited to wearing leather armor and wooden shields, you know, getting that uh, plus two bonus to armor cl- or to saving throws, not armor class, with uh, versus fire and lightning, and, uh, you know, a few other small benefits right out the gate. Oh, yeah, the, the pass without trace thing. Uh, you know, hey, don't litter. Only you can prevent forest fires. Yeah, and so, you know, the druid has a reputation of being the Bob Ross of character classes. You know. Just some, yeah. some beautiful trees here, man. Just, you know, like, look, pretty little trees. Happy little trees. 
happy little trees. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever been saddled with one of these patchouli reeking hobos. <laughs> Here we uh, go. Ah, uh, look. You know, I want a cleric, all right? It, it's just a personal thing. If I if I want healing, I want a cleric. I don't want some hemp shirt wearing loser uh, from the outside gates of town running up to me with some essential oils. Here, man, this will this will make the migraine go away. Well, how about a cure light wounds? It's a short sword in my liver. Okay, yeah, just yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of druids. It's one of the few classes I have never really fully explored as a player. Although if I do, if I do, I have menaced Randy with this for a while. If I am ever obligated to play a druid in a campaign, I am basing him entirely off of Jeff Bridges in the Big Lebowski. You know, hey man, that's just like your opinion and everything, you know? <laughs> whoa, 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 Walter, walk it back. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, loosey-goosey with the alignment that they are, you know, the Druid does stand for balance. And what does that mean? Well, besides, you know, passing the adventurer's acorn here, man, smoke <laughs> this, this will take the edge off. Or, you know, their ability to wild shape into a uh, badger and braid the party's hair while they're asleep. <laughs> uh, all right, let's not forget. All right, that is a, that is a great talent for the higher-level Druid, the uh, changing shape into convenient animal forms. Uh you know, turning into a bird and doing a little spy number on the area, uh, turning into a reptile and scoping out the swamp ahead of everybody. Uh, or, or, you know, I made a bear! You know, just, yeah, alright, that's that's moderately useful. But they require higher levels to pull that off in the old edition. Uh, oh, well, it's pretty much still the same, but... You know, the idea is that the druid is kind of the nature priest and kind of represents the, if you will, pagan aspect of the face of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, and if you remember the first edition uh, player's handbook, it also included uh, the more Celtic aspect bard at the time. So it's not surprising that they would have a more classical interpretation of the druid and of druidism. Uh, Spelling out very specifically that they were radically different from your organized temple-based priesthoods of the day. Uh, especially distinguished by all those pesky, useful priest spells that druids are blessedly not stuck with. Well, yeah, they can, they can be excellent healers at times, but they're not as uh, versatile as no. uh, a normal cleric with a full access to divine gifts. But... You know, druids have their own standing in any D&D game, and the fact that they've endured throughout the editions as an integral part of the D&D class hierarchy is important to note. And besides, the fact that uh, having a nature druid all paired up with a, uh, well, nature druid, but a nature priest like a druid paired up with a ranger makes an excellent combination. And Essential for an outdoor campaign, and I'll give them that, okay? If you are playing an outdoor travel-heavy campaign, your players honestly probably should have these, like, I mean, at the very least, a ranger. Uh, but, you know, then you run the risk of, which, literally, my nightmare campaign would be, you know, a ranger and a druid on the team. It's just 
wild kingdom all over again with the druid going all Marlon Perkins. Okay, Jim is entering the cave of the owlbear and is prepared to slap its children with his belt. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, Marlon. Big yeah. help. <laughs> Jim's going to cast Hold Animal. I'm here narrating his sudden and painful demise. Yeah. So, you know, the druid has a lot of affinity also with the wild creatures, and probably underrepresented in a lot of campaigns. Not that out of any spite from the rules or dungeon masters, but animals play a big part because, well, in a normal D&D game, animals are just like in real life, just about everywhere around you. And knowing which ones that you can kind of speak with animals on or even locate animals and plants when you need herbs and other such things like those acorns that take the edge off during a rough dungeon trip. So found this awesome toad, man. Lick his back. Lick his back. Seriously. Yeah, I don't think so. Don't, <laughs> don't take anything the druid offers you. Just leave it alone. You're safe for not knowing. Yeah, those good berries have a kick. Yeah, that said, uh, the speak with animals talent is kind of an underrated perk. Okay, that's, that's one where you can get some generic local situation info, you know, terrible creature over yonder in the cave. Uh, by the edge of the river, you can get those little gleaned tidbits of information by a druid and talk down creatures that had a hostile reaction role. You know, maybe they're guarding a lair, maybe they've got a clutch of eggs, and, you know, uh, they're not looking to be tampered with. Okay, yeah, you can have the druid talk them down from the cliff and the party doesn't wind up butchering the local wildlife. I... That is a useful trait. That's a thing that even at low levels they can pull off. Yeah, and also like the druid has the ability to neutralize poison faster than any other healer class. And that is one thing that is well worth it, which, uh, of course, they'll also be, you know, they're ten times more likely than your standard city-born cleric to lead you into a lair of something that's, like, literally every end of it is pointy and poisonous. Yeah, uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> like five out of its six ends excrete venom. And the other one is full of fangs. Yeah, and, you know, it's hungry. <laughs> and it's mating season. And it's always in a bad mood. Uh, so, yeah, they are rightfully equipped with neutralized poison because there's an awful, you know, it's like, hey, let's go hang out in the wyvern there. Uh, sounds like a great idea when you've been munching on mushrooms all day, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, the rest of the party may need a little backup. Uh. Yeah, and at high levels of play, uh, one thing to be feared about druids is that ever-potent spell, Creeping Doom, and so well-named. Oh, all right. Now, yeah, if we get to the seventh level spell list for first edition druids, uh, that is one of the most horrific spells uh, to come out of the DM guide at, in Player's Handbook that in the early editions. It just... Wow. Uh, welcome to the Room Sweeper. If you've got people bottlenecked and you unload that and just have everybody hang back, uh, <laughs> there's nothing left but bones. Yep. Polished clean. Nothing left. Yeah. Except the, And all the nice treasure just laying there, undisturbed. Not true. Jeez, they even ate the pouches. Gosh. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you can't discount a druid, although their usefulness in a dungeon can be somewhat curtailed. 
I mean, yeah, Creeping Doom does kind of work underground because there's always verminous creatures around that they can summon. Yeah, but the spell really bugs me. Oh, yeah? No, yeah. I've seen that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can see how that works. Yeah, I'm getting my dad joke on. And, of course, you know, they're... One of the cooler spells to come out of the early edition was Chariot of Sustare. Oh, uh, Sustar. Sustar, excuse me. Or is it Sustare? Yeah. But, yeah, all right, the Flaming Chariot is pretty awesome, and it's right out of Mythos, too. Yeah. You know, that's that's classical reinterpretation, which we mentioned uh, quite some time ago in a much earlier episode that many of the spells from the Player's Handbook and first edition uh, are drawn from myth and legend, uh, and the, the chariot is one of them. Yep, and you know their ability to control the elements, besides just the weather that we mentioned earlier. Although we were more joking about that, these spells take a long time to cast. You know, you cannot just summon a thunderstorm out of thin air, literally. Yeah, you know, it, I always liked the mage for you know, like you want a lightning bolt. Oh, I got a lightning bolt. You want a fireball? I got a fireball. Uh, the druid, yeah, they get to call lightning thing, and it's got, you know, more time. Yes. But it's only usable outdoors, and you've got to get that rain in place first. So uh, it was effectively useless for surprise combat encounters. Yeah, but planned ones, especially around swamps with uh, their control plants to bring out the shambling mounds. Uh, well, and then right. strike them with lightning bolts until they're monumentally big and angry, and then unleashing them on your enemies—that's always a good one. Okay, all right, that's that's a good hack. I, I got to admit that's a good loophole movement there. Where uh, you know, and if you're a DM and you really want to challenge your players, uh, have an evil druid, you know, a shadow druid mm-hmm. uh, who ramps up a bunch of shambling mounds. You got them all hopped up on electricity, and next thing you know, they're just Going through town like a hot knife through butter. Yep, the evil druid. They take everything that's wrong with nature and make it worse. <laughs> and that's the other thing. The whole neutral thing annoyed the crap out of me because at any moment, theoretically, druid can change sides on you. All right. You Faster know. than a bard roll and a one on diplomacy roll. Yeah, that uh, next thing you know... Uh, if their neutrality commands it, they've got some wiggle room on. Well, I don't think the party's in the right on this one. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna work against them on this. Yeah, we invaded its lair totally. I'm, I'm just withdrawing. Yeah. What are yeah. you talking about? It's a green dragon. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of a protector of the uh, wild. Oh. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you have to put up with druids, and that brings us to a good point about if you're playing a druid. You kind of enter into a secret society. Now, it's not like super secret where, you know, it's, you know, Brandenburg meetings. Or, uh, Bilderberg. Bilderberg meetings underneath the Arctic Circle in a submarine. It's Although more... I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. <laughs> but I would put it to the point that, you know, they deal with abstracts that just aren't intrinsic into normal human politics. They're kind of above it all. And as guardians of nature as well as the balance, which kind of is a more of a thing from uh, first edition and original edition Dungeons and Dragons with the law and neutrality cast. And they were more concerned with the existence of the natural world, which, you know, be that is what it is, and uh, it's changed over the years. Now, I guess uh, druids, they can be any alignment 
as long as they're neutral in some aspect. Ah. So neutral good, neutral evil, true neutral. But they cannot be lawful or chaotic or too extreme on one side or the other. So Oh, none of the axiom yeah. things. But, uh, okay. Gotcha. They have to have a neutral part in their alignment in the par- first part. So that's an easy way to do it. And, that, and they represent kind of... Uh, you know, in World of Warcraft, if you're familiar with that, Dita, Druids for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. You know, yep. <clears throat> clubbing to death uh, baby owl bears for their pelts is just going to get you in a lot of trouble with these Druids. Oh, wow. Uh, which, you know, once again, the <laughs> hippies of the woods. Yeah, hippies. Damn hippies. Just so, annoying me, aren't it? Interrupted my drum circle, man. You really, you really bumming my vibe. It's an orc invasion. Get on point. I just oh, or as humans, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> they both destroy the ecosystem. They destroy the woods and the power and balance of nature. Yeah, just, um, you, you know, uh, humans, you can kind of reason with sometimes. I'm yeah. not gonna say all the time. You kind of got a point there. <laughs> Radagast, but you know, I'm mostly going to put throw it out here that uh, you know humans can kind of like be can come to a conclusion of uh, reason. Orcs, well, you know, you cast a couple creeping dooms on them and then they howl and run back to the hills for a while. Yeah, they, I guess the kind of same point stands with them. Yeah, most druids would need three promotions to be as cool as Grizzly Adams. All mm. right, hanging out with a bear man. Uh, that. That would be a little more entertaining than the average druid I've seen. But, yeah, the in old, fairness, you know, that... <laughs> the old druid had kind of this uh, organization, whereas you got up higher up into the uh, circles of the druid, you had to start fighting. <laughs> if it, this is your first night at druid club, you have to fight. Oh. <laughs> and, oh however, it wasn't always just like monk combat, which we're going to be covering monks up, coming up here soon. Yeah, that, that day is going to come too. Uh, uh, I, I will probably enjoy that more because I, I don't have quite such a grudge against the monk. I, I have a few issues, but I have a few likes. Uh, you know, so the, the monk will get a, a fair shake from me. Druid, on the other hand, like what was it, like 8th level or 7th level, you had to start uh, hand-to-hand combat against a fellow druid. Or any other contest, it could be a, it could be a test of wits, it could be a test of magical power or knowledge, something like that, or the ability to go get something, you know, and bring it back before the other guy did. Whatever the contest is, it wasn't always lethal, and that's the big point is that there was kind of this natural order to things, and so yeah, as you got up higher in level, uh, you had to combat other druids, and uh, other editions have kind of done away with that. The later editions. Which it kind of, I think, in a way, somewhat take some a little bit away from the droid, you know. All right, fair enough. Um, Not that I want to see, you know, player characters denied access to something, but it was kind of one of the things where droids were limited in their progressions, which which was their game balance. They got so many powers that shape awesome shape shift. Okay, and now in that context, it does make a little bit of sense that. Somebody had to put the brakes on it because their spell accumulation was a little faster than the clerics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, which, hey, I can cast twice as many near useless spells. Uh, fairy fire, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have seen a few fairy fires used very creatively. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have seen them used tactically at some very advantageous times. 
especially if you're trying to curb invisibility and hide in shadows and critters mm -hmm. that sneak. If you really want to put the kibosh on that, light them up. Uh, so I'll, I'll give it to that. I, I have... I, I shall grudgingly admit that despite my personal disinterest in the druid, I have seen them played very usefully. Kara uh, Klingon, I'm looking right at you, kid. Uh, that that was some fairly heroic, regular usage of druid spells, uh, including some innovative use or innovative use of stone shape, mm -hmm. uh, oh, either yeah. to get through walls or bypass trapped doorways. And yeah, and that kind of where... I get up to my, my usual DM debaggery, and uh, I've seen it circumvented very skillfully by a well-played druid. Yeah, one of the complaints about the druid, um, since we'll just talk about the hierarchy a little bit at the end here, but uh, yeah, you bring up a good point that one of the complaints of the druid early on is that they don't have a whole lot of useful spells for underground environments, which, yes, that is true. You know, Entangle doesn't work very well underground. And, you know, uh, a few other spells, like our obscurement, you know, oh, we're in a dungeon, and suddenly there's a misty fog appearing. Well, the monsters don't think that that is, or normal dungeon denizens don't think that's <laughs> unusual. This has never happened before, but I'll just hang around. Now in a forest encounter, or... A morning, yeah, an obscurement or mist won't be that uh, yeah, it's not gonna uh, throw obvious. People it's off. not going to throw uh, automatically tip your hand. But, you know, uh, there was a good article in Drag Magazine back in the day that listed spells that were more useful for underground exploration. Like, again, speak with animals, because, you know, vermin are around, and uh, rats and other such contained a lot of information, if you could speak to them. And also, just even... Their ability to enter in combat because they weren't using blunt weapons. You know, they did have a scimitar. Well, and they had good, solid cleric-type hit points. Yeah. You know, they they were uh, not weak in terms of, like, hit dice gained. So Yeah, you know. they were just limited by their armor class, but, you know. Yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, you know, that, that leather armor and wooden shield only thing meant uh, pretty much waiting a long time to get the right gear. Yeah. Uh but, uh, you know, they did, uh, with the other editions, they did give them the ability to start summoning animals. Summoning monsters, um, that, uh, nature's ally a lot easier than they were before. I think you had to wait about, uh, third levels, or third level spells, if I'm thinking correctly, to get to summon nature's ally one in first edition. And then, uh, well, they kind of lowered the bar down, like, at first level you could sacrifice. Uh, it was, the original one was called Woodland Beings, and I think that was fourth level. Oh, okay. Uh, now, in the later editions, uh, it's Summon Nature's Ally. Yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, first edition, uh, Call Woodland Beings. Now, that one was a nice little chart, although, honestly, I don't feel like it was adjudicated well. It was kind of left to the DM to decide which creature shows up, and mm -hmm. I always preferred having a good random element involved. Uh, and, of course, it was also contingent on being in a woodland setting and then the amount of time it would take for the creature to get there. So, once again, not a great emergency spell. Uh, great to summon an ally for the party if you got some time on your hands. Yeah, but, but also they got uh, summoning uh, elementals about the same time as a wizard did. Actually, a little true. bit, I think, was one level quicker than a wizard did at ninth. Wizard could get, it, uh, could get fifth level spells at ninth. But uh, I think Druid's got, like, Summon Fire Elemental, 
and earth elemental a little earlier, and then they got the other elementals a little later. But I'm rusty on that. Um, haven't really cracked a book on a first edition drawer in a while, but I'm sure that I'll be corrected at some point in time. So, oh, you were wrong. Well, <laughs> well, that's the best learning experience about the internet. Just post up an opinion whether you're right or wrong. Somebody will tell you. <laughs> You'll know soon enough. <laughs> Woe betide ye. Now, there were some pressing reasons to have a druid in the party. Uh, and those higher level spells were among them. Because uh, conjuring elementals in a fairly discreet fashion. Again, this is not a quick cast item. This is the higher level spells, more yeah. time you're consuming. And less instantaneous bang for your buck. Uh, it's one of those ones where, you know, you got to wait for that payoff or plan ahead. Uh, so a canny druid, somebody really using their wits, uh, and like I said, I've encountered... Fire one. seeds in a sling. Yeah. You got, they've got their plan ready to make the maximum use of the spells they do have, even though that some of them are not as off-the-cuff easy. Uh, that hierarchy thing. Uh, now, in the very first edition, was it 13th level that was, or 14th level, it was the absolute end for the Druid, and that was Yeah, it, it was 14th level, and then Unearthed Arcana came out with Hierophant, which was, uh, you kind of went to the plains, and you kind of retired, like, I'm going to the, you know, all plains. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, you go so to... So you the, hung out as a, a 14th level Grand Druid for, you were the only Grand Druid in the world for, like, a year, and then, you know... You just step down. Wow. Yeah. Now, Greyhawk, the world of Greyhawk and uh, early Forgotten Realms had it delineated out which section of the world had what Grand Druid and who they controlled and all that. Oh, so there was more than one. Yeah, yeah. Grand world of Greyhawk had like eight just on Orc alone. It was, uh, each one was in the one of the great ports the Adri, the Vesby, uh, the Bramblewood, okay. Fostwood, and all that. Always loved the Fostwood. Should talk about World of Greyhawk like that sometime, but I digress. Uh, yeah, anyway. that's actually a good topic. We should do that sometime. Is uh, be like get down to the nitty gritty of locations in the World of Greyhawk. Yeah, which, Bosswood, hey. you know, glowing trees. <laughs> oh, great druid heaven! It's like a rave. It's like a you know blacklight poster. You know, this is, <laughs> it's awesome. But yeah, you know, um, also uh, another thing that druids. Uh, got known for in later editions was their ability to cast a lot of good buff spells, you know, uh, making the party tougher and stronger quickly quickly and efficiently, as well as uh, summoning a bunch of minions and then unleashing them. You know, nothing like even at the first level sending a, uh, sending a bunch of fire beetles. Oh. Scurrying at the uh, enemy. Oh, alright. Uh, I remember the fire beetles being one of the early summoned creatures. Uh, for, like, summon Critter 1. Mm -hmm. uh. Yep, and, um, you know, so the Druid has kind of come a long way, and uh, a little tip of the hat to those who play Druids and Mike's. Oh, my curmudgeonliness aside, I mean, look, yeah, uh, leaving aside the hemp shirts and the patchouli <laughs> stink, uh, you know, the mysterious bag that probably, you know, they claim it's sage, but I don't know that that's really the case. Yeah. You know. Uh, and they can never find, yeah, you know, they can never get their stuff back in their pack. They just sit there for like three hours, putting stuff in, taking stuff out. And, Mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, if you can pry them away from their drum circle and, you know, like their Iron John poetry recital, <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're actually not that bad of a class. Yeah, and, you know, for you guys out there who are angry and us making fun of you, <laughs> hey, we're just having some fun tonight. And, uh, <laughs> with the weather we're even having, you know, I, we just figured it was a good time to uh, roll this one out. So if you've been playing a druid and you've been having a lot of fun with it, you know, let us know. And oh, yeah. I mean, um, if you've got a great spell combo you pulled off as a druid, I, totally tell tell us about it. Uh, I will, you know, uh, personal feelings aside, my DM habit is to, you know, good DMs don't borrow, they steal. And if somebody's got a good idea that kicks butt, I will totally use that. Well, and at that point, I'm going to bring out, as Mike says, he's never played a druid before. I say, aha, we have an aha moment. When I first met Mike, we are playing that... Uh, we used to have like a throwdown of D and D characters and combos at uh, the lunchroom with the uh, local uh, group of players. Not our players, but just people who played D and D in general. Most of the time, it was an exchange of ideas. But every once in a while, you had one of those power gamers come up there. You know, the guy who had you know like a prismatic spear permanently cast around him, and you know lives on a star destroyer. <clears throat> yeah, David Head, we're talking about you, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that cat, you know, uh, he said he was invulnerable to everything and uh, got him down and uh, got his prismatic spear taken away from him. And then Mike was playing a druid, summoned a nymph who started doing the Dance of Seven Veils. Well, six, six were in, in the wash. Uh, and his grand army entirely had to save versus death. Yeah, they either died or they went blind. <laughs> uh. So yeah, druids, you know, with a nymph. Uh, well, yeah, when you got friends in woodsy places. Uh. Call forth an imp, and, um, you know, my colin will be forever scarred by the dryad flirtatiously charming the entire party to put in a new garden and fence row. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, totally worth it, though. No, And, like I said, it's a class I've never fully explored. Uh, but... It's not that I've never played. It's more that I've, I've never really taken that any further. Yeah. Uh, although, when the day comes, I'm saying, I'm big Lebowski-ing this. All right. Well, we'll wait with bated breath. Well, with that, I think we've discussed the Druid to death, and uh, hopefully uh, you will still be playing one if you are, or if you haven't, try one out. So it's always oh, important. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, uh, look at some of the older stuff as well as some of the new material. And if you're playing an older game, well, you know, uh, this is right up your alley. But if you're playing an older game and you hear about some of this stuff, and look it up. If you are playing an outdoor campaign, definitely. You know, it is it is worth the investment if you're doing a lot of hex crawling and outdoor time. Yeah, it is worth it. Yeah. So with that, we're going to bid you adieu. And we hope you have a great weekend. But uh, again, if you have any comments or questions or you just want to yell at us, Feel free on any of our normal places. Facebook at The Dice Are Screaming and on Twitter at Death and Ga Gaming. That's a D E T H Gaming. Or Match Eye Box. And just let us know what you think. But until next time, we'll see you Tuesday. So have a great weekend. And may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your, your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.